RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. It's Tuesday, and I feel like it's been at least a week since I checked in with my Star Trek pals. It's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. It is All Hallows' Eve. Eve, I think. Honoring the holiday, I'm dressed like me on a good day, and uh, John is dressed like a serial killer because, as Wednesday Adams noted, they can be anybody. Yes, it is Mission Log Live, and oh, oh boy, oh boy, do we have a show for you tonight. Uh, It won't be nearly as fun, though, if you don't call in. See, that's how Mission Log Live works. We fire up the ones and the zeros. We get together with you and with a guest, and we talk track. How does the part with you work? Well, it's easy. You can pick up the... uh, Pick up the phone and call 646-558-8656. 646-558-8656. That is the phone number to call if you want to pick up the phone and do things the old-fashioned way. And of course, we have all those ones and zeros about which I was speaking a moment ago. So you can join our Zoom meeting, or you can use one tap from your smartphone. And um, yeah, you dial into that phone number that I said before. You enter the code that I mentioned earlier, or the code that's out there. I think, John, in about 35 to 40 minutes, I'm going to be ready for tonight's show. <laughs> you got it, man. <sighs> Joining us this week, Anthony Pascal. You may not know that name, but you do know his work. He created TrekMovie.com. So tonight, we're going to get the scoop on what's new in the world of Trek and Trek movies and also find out, you know, what got him to grab that URL when he did. Ask the questions by joining our Zoom meeting. Use the one tap from your smartphone or call 646 558 Eight six five six. All right. Well, as we like to do, I'm going to say hi to some of our friends right now in the chat on Facebook. There's Dave. There's Mary. There's William. There's Leslie. There's Donna. There's Kim. There's Evan. There's Jeff. There's Elizabeth. There's Lars. There's Wes. There's Casey. Chuck. I, just so many of our friends who are joining us. There's Paul, uh, uh, Thomas, everybody, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope you all have good questions and comments for Anthony. This is uh, this is going to be a fun chat tonight. So thank you as always to everyone who is watching live on Facebook or YouTube. And thank you to the people who are watching the video later as well. And finally, thanks to the people who are listening to the audio only version of the show. It's not just about this show, though. Please check out the Roddenberry Podcast Network because, gosh, it's a whole network of podcasts available at podcast.roddenberry.com. You got Mission Log, you got Mission Log Live, you got The Trek Files, Women at Warp, and Priority One. Collect them all, podcast.roddenberry.com. And finally, please, you know what's coming, the appeal to validate our very existence Whenever and wherever you're watching or listening to this, head to the source, hit like, hit share, write a review or give us five stars, share the love. You know, the thing, this thing called love, I just can't handle it. Ken, incidentally, Paul McCartney wrote that. That is that is not true. I happen to know for a fact that that was Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> Managed to slip in an ELO reference, even when there was no ELO reference. And, and I, I know, know why. That's pretty good. Yeah, because I don't notice ELO references. And so I wanted to be sure that when you hit that one, that was, of course, Dwight Yoakam. I know. Okay. (laughs) Save your letters. Uh, Stuff coming up in realities, virtual and otherwise, because we got some stuff coming up. We're very excited, actually, about this thing. I just caught the video, by the way, that you made with Rod. And um, 
me mm-hmm. <laughs> advertising mm-hmm. the inside Star Trek thing. So this yeah. Thursday on the 1st of November, as we were recording this, we're going inside Star Trek. We're going inside virtual reality inside Star Trek or vice versa. Uh, that'll be John Champion, Rod Roddenberry, and me. We've each picked tracks from uh, the Gene Roddenberry album, Inside Star Trek. That album runs around an hour. We've pulled, eh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Uh, it, tracks that each of us really like, and we're hoping they're going to generate some decent conversation. It's not just about, you know, we'll play the tracks and then we'll sit there in silence, or we'll play in the tracks and say what we think. Because, um, I mean, just like what we do here on Mission Log Live, we want to have uh, want to have a really interesting talk with everybody. So, 1st of November, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, on our virtual bridge on Sansar. Please do tell your friends. And, and if you're planning on being there and thinking, oh, I'll just go and I'll make my account and then I'll get in, it doesn't really work that way. It takes a few minutes to set up a Sansar account. doesn't take any money. does take a tiny bit of time. So sometime between now and the next Sensar event you want to go to, uh, Sensar.com is where you go. And then you just uh, you set up your account, and then you'll be able to join us, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific, vice versa, of course. <laughs> 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, Thursday, the 1st of November. You do not need one of the headsets, by the way. If you've got a computer that runs Windows as far back as Windows 7, uh, you can actually take part in the desktop version, or if you have an HTC Vive or an Oculus Rift, uh, you can you can put those things on and you know bump into things in real life in virtual reality, uh, just like the rest of us do. So that's hey, our plan for the VR stuff. Yeah, I, I was speaking of VR. Uh, Dave was just asking who won trivia last time because, of course, he won the first round uh, yeah. last week. It was Akara. And uh, I want to say got nine correct. And then the next closest maybe had four or five correct. So, uh, Dave, you're sneaking up on you. So uh, so, it'll be a very interesting final round. They're not sneaking up because it is a tournament. The next round, by the way, is on on the 15th of November. But, I mean, here's the thing. Dave won the first round. Akara won the second round. We have one more slot to fill. That can be somebody who's listening right this minute. It's not like... It's not quite an elimination thing. Dave's in. And Dave is also in everybody's heads. Have you noticed every time we even mention VR, Dave's like, oh, by the way, I won the first round. So, you know, whatever you people who are playing later think you're going to do, I won the first round. Just saying. Says Dave. (laughs) He even sent a message. He even sent a message to last week's players saying, by the way, I won the first round. I really think I think he's playing the long game with the uh, sort of the head game, man. You might be right. Coming up on our show. So remember that on November 6th, uh, the next short track will premiere. That will be Calypso. So we'll be live on the 13th talking about that short. Then on December 6th, uh, you have The Brightest Star. So we'll be talking about that on Tuesday, the 11th. January 3rd, you have the Harry Mudd episode, The Escape Artist. We'll be talking about that on January 8th. And then hate- on January Yep. I hate to do this on the fly. I think November 8th is Calypso. Is that correct? Oh, oh, November 6th uh, is a Tuesday and Discovery comes out on Thursday all of a sudden. You you, you would be right. You would be right. So then, uh, yeah. So we'll be live on the 13th after that show. Yeah, we'll still be. uh, Yeah, it's on the 8th. And then on uh, the 17th of January, Discovery is back for the premiere of season two. So we will be back the next Tuesday and every Tuesday after that talking about those episodes with 
you. Uh, coming up also on this show, because we do non-disco talk when it's non-disco time, we'll have Dr. Andrea Ledimenti and Brian Ward. They are the hosts of the Arkham Sessions but they're also Trek fans. And uh, Drea is a clinical psychologist. She hosted the psychology of Star Wars versus Star Trek at Comic-Con for a number of years. So we'll be able to have all kinds of interesting discussion with them. That'll be coming up in just a few weeks. Hey, Ken, uh, it's time to talk about the poll. So last week, last week, uh, well, maybe a bit of confusion there. What's up with that? Mm -hmm. Great. (laughs) Yeah, that's how the question got floated out to the world and nobody knew what to make of it. Look, I love a good, vague, misleading, confusing question, mainly because I love the comments that show up after that. Um, That entertains me to no end. The the more vague, the better. But this was particularly vague because we left off part of the question. Oops, we reach 40%. Not surprisingly, the majority of you, 60% said we do not reach. Not, Not surprised at all. Yeah, that's not surprising at all. Uh, we wanted to go with something a little less big this year, so uh, or this week rather. So tonight's uh, poll question: New Trek, uh, too much or never enough? Now, right now, people are saying never enough uh, by a pretty wide margin. Ninety percent of people are saying never enough. Ten uh, percent are saying no, 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 too much. So, uh, as I always say, vote like it matters. Uh, get your votes in. Uh, this week's poll question: New Trek. Too much or never enough, uh, just go to our Facebook site, facebook.com slash mission log pod. Scroll up and down until you find the poll and poll to your heart's content. Yeah. So, and I want to hear from both of those people. I want to hear from people in that 90% and people in that 10%, especially after we bring on our guest. So here he is now, Anthony Pascal. Now, as soon as Paramount had announced a new Star Trek film in 2006, that would be a full year after Enterprise was off the air and uh, that movie with a projected release in late 2008, they put it off until 2009, Anthony jumped in to create trekmovie.com. I imagine it's a site that most of our viewers and listeners are familiar with. And then there were a lot more movies and TV series, and books, and games, and everything else. It just doesn't stop. And there, with the finger on the pulse of all things Star Trek and Trek fandom, is trekmovie.com. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to be here, and uh, I reach. <laughs> good, you reach. Not a <laughs> Herbert. That is so, so good to know. Um, Here's kind of what inspired the discussion on tonight's show. So recently, we've had more details surface about the future of Star Trek. Uh, in the not too recent past, we got details about a, a con series, a Picard series, a Starfleet Academy series, and now new details about an animated series. Um, so why not hash it out with somebody who uh, is in charge of a site that is publishing this stuff and, uh, and hearing from fans and their opinions about all of this stuff. But I believe Ken, actually you have a question that is way more fundamental than even that. Well, I guess the thing that I always wonder when we have people on rather than jumping straight into the middle of um, straight in the middle of the news of the day or, you know, the topic that they're for is, is let's establish like, you know, the why, like, you know, way to go getting that URL. But let me ask, I mean, was it right place, right time? Was it a burning desire to talk about track with the entire planet? I mean, what was it that, um, what was it that got you to get trackmovie.com? Well, 
it was the strangely it was the first website I ever ran. My background is in is in marketing and uh I don't know, I was just a Trek fan and in a way I was a born again Trek fan. I kind of fell out of it in the 90s and I was really interested in Star Trek in you know the mid 2000s and I I felt there wasn't any good source of news and um when the movie was announced, the JJ movie, there was a lot of misinformation and I knew a lot of stuff that people were talking about was wrong. Um, you know, I, I did know some people at Paramount and I just felt like I should just start a website to just, you know, play it straight to be the, you know, the CNN of Star Trek and, you know, without bias or maybe the New York times of Star Trek. Um, and it started just about the movies, but then it just kind of ballooned and now we're the, you know, the biggest Star Trek news site. So I got to say, I wasn't actually uh, keeping up a whole lot with what was going on in Star Trek news at the time. I mean, obviously I knew enterprise was off the air. I certainly didn't know as early as, as it looks like you did, that there was a movie announcer, as John is saying, um, that the movie was announced. What kind of misinformation was out there? Well, it was more opinion as news, I guess. People, you know, people were assuming that it was a, going to be a different universe. I mean, first of all, there was not a lot of facts because um, the people around J.J. Abrams are very secretive. It's kind of his famous mystery box thing. So there just wasn't a lot of information. So I was just trying to consolidate all that was known so that there was a kind of a, at least a basis of, you know, all the facts. Here's who's involved. Um, people were, were saying they're, you know, going to destroy canon and, you know, stuff like that. So I was just trying to keep track of everything that was said on the record and then try to get to find out more. So um, it, it's a long time ago. I guess it's 12 years ago or that, you know, fans were kind of just confused, I think, because there was this constant Star Trek for so long and it was all the Rick Berman era and it was like a factory and they were just kind of, you know, it was easy to understand. And suddenly there was all these new people like who's J.J. Abrams, who's, you know, Alex Kurtzman, who's Bob Orsi, you know, and, and uh, how is this all going to fit together? And you know, I, I, I was interested in those questions and so I sought out to find the answers as much as I could um, and to treat Star Trek like a journalist, you know, like, you know, how would uh, the New York Times treat Star Trek, you know, and just try to get to the facts, try to find out more than that stuff that's on the record, try to get people to go off the record. And that's what we did. And then it became, you know, but that was just the beginning. Then, you know, we have the URL, but then this Trek Remastered thing came out and we kind of started leading that. And we knew people who were working on that at CBS. And so we started getting all sorts about that. And, and then, you know, games. And, you know, so we we try to cover every aspect of Star Trek. And we're, we, you know, we, we have this URL. We've even thought about changing it, but people know us for who we are. So we've just kept it. 
if uh, if people want to talk about news of the day today, or if you want to talk about you know history, it's kind of funny actually because you say it's been twelve years since that was announced, and that's that's crazy. I mean, it's hard to believe it's been almost ten years since we got the um, the Star Trek JJ verse. But anyway, if anybody has any questions about news that's going on now, or you want to talk about the last ten to twelve years of Star Trek news, give us a call. 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call 646-558-8656 or you can click on the link to join our Zoom meeting or use the one tap from your smartphone uh, just all kinds of ways to get in touch with us and uh, we'd love to hear all kinds of questions now Anthony I want to go back to something that you mentioned uh, because you said that at the time there was a lot of uh, rumor and speculation and uh, one of those being that JJ uh, Abrams would destroy canon and, and I believe that was actually the argument ever since uh, 1969 about anything announced about Star Trek after Star Trek went off the air uh, am I uh, completely off base there I believe yeah. that any project ever announced yeah I mean people it's it's the, the eternal fan argument you could find stuff from fanzines and and stuff from the 70s and 80s you know when next generation was announced even when the movies were announced people it's every new iteration of star trek creates the same debate over and over again and uh you know the jj thing was i think bigger because people were just so used to there being a monolithic star trek for that kind of 20 year period between next generation, you know, the eighties movies and the end of um, enterprise in 2005. And there was, you know, a strange comfort to it all. It all fit together. And suddenly there's this new thing and they're recasting Kirk. And what does that mean? And does it destroy everything? And, you know, it was, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, I would say more so than some of the previous things, because for the first time ever, I mean, they did something that no one had done in Star Trek before, which was, you know, I mean, they recast characters before like Savick and stuff, but to, you know, just to go back and to do a new Kirk and Spock and McCoy, I mean, that, that was, that was new. And, um, you know, this is not long after Ron Moore and I, you know, who's brilliant so if you have to think about the time, so you think about what was big at the time, you had uh, uh, the Batman movies, right? The Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which were, of course, were total reboot from the previous movies. Um, and you had the Ron Moore Battlestar Galactica. Um, again, a complete reboot from the original. And the word reboot was used, and that was kind of the biggest thing for to people to kind of get their head around is the reboot does not mean destruction of canon. Um, <laughs> you know, reboot is more a marketing term, but people were looking at it. It can mean a new universe, um, but it doesn't have to. And, and in this case it didn't, although some people would argue, you know, it does and they, you know, they don't count it, but you know, sure. Sure. Well, that, that's reboot kind is, of. Uh, go, go oh, I was going to say reboot is just such a weird term to me because I read an article the other day that said that Disney is looking to reboot the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Now, right. I don't know that Disney said that, but I mean, that's that's an article. And the, the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie came out last year. I mean, like reboot is, is like a marketing term run amok at this point, it seems to me, as opposed to just, I don't know, we're going to tell a different story or something like that. 
Well, it, I think when I think in terms of Hollywood studios, they reboot when they bring in new people. So that means changing the cast and or changing the um, uh, production team. And uh, fans look at fans have a different view of reboot. I think more from the is this a different universe? Are these the same characters? Um, you know, for for example, the X Men movies rebooted in a sense when they decided to do the prequels, but they were all part of the same universe. I mean, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of the X-Men movies, um, but, you know, Patrick Stewart showed up in all of them. So, you know, I guess they, they're all tied together through Patrick Stewart. Right. Well, uh, so that kind of brings us to, to where we are now with all of these new projects that have been uh, announced and, and some in more detail than others. Just as a Star Trek fan, I'm curious what you are most interested, curious, excited about, or maybe most uh, kind of ambiguous about. Well, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the animated series because it's something that I've long advocated for. And um, it's something that should have been done a long time ago. And one of the reasons it wasn't done is because of the, the corporate split between CBS and Viacom. I know that the people, um, you know, including Alex Kurtzman, know Orsi and Kurtzman did want to do an animated series while they were making the movies, the kind of like Disney did with the um, uh, Clone Wars. Um, But because Viacom and CBS and there's all those problems, that never happened. And so this is something that I've been waiting for for a long time. Um, It's interesting. They're taking it in a different direction than I expected them. Um, But it's still interesting and exciting, I think. Um, You know, I'm really... Let me ask... To, uh, you know, switching to speaking of the split, I'm really interested in the Tarantino movie or the, the mm-hmm. Tarantino pitch. People call it a Tarantino movie. He may not even direct it. It may not ever happen, but it's really a pitch. He's not even writing it. Um, he just had this crazy idea. Um, and uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I, you know, I'm excited about Star Trek four, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Well, uh, let me ask you this real quick about the animated series. So you said it's not a direction that you would have gone in. I, I think you mean that um, you, no, no, you advocated. I, I, don't misquote me. It's, it's, it's not what I was expecting, but I'm sure, still sure, sure. interested. Like I, I thought that it would be more like, I thought they were going to do something more like Clone Wars, more like, in a sense, an animated version of the IDW you know how IDW had these these two series of comic books. One was called Boldly Go, and the other one was just called Star Trek. And they were set, you know, in between the movies, and they were just going on, you know. So it was it was Chris Pine, Kirk, and those people, and they were going on adventures, and you know, that was the kind of thing I was hoping for, um, which couldn't happen because it was the movie universe and CBS. Um, but even with CBS, I was hoping they might be able to do something, you know, maybe set in the next generation era. I don't, I don't know where, but something like Clone Wars, you know, for Star Trek. And they've decided to do adult comedy more like Futurama and, yeah, I, I, 
I think the comparisons to Rick and Morty, even though the guy from Rick and Morty is working on it, you know, they're not going to be doing that kind of humor on the show. Um, I think that's a concern people have, but you know, that's not Star Trek and it's not going to happen. It's going to be funny, but it's, I don't think it's going to be the same kind of humor as Rick and Morty. I think it'll be more like Futurama than Rick and Morty. Let me ask uh, really quickly, uh, and this question is for John, but then I want to open it up to something bigger for both you guys. And of course, if anybody else wants to join in our conversation, that'd be great. 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call 646-558-8656. Here's the question I have for you, John, uh, being our resident James Bond expert. Do, do Moonraker and Spectre take place in the same continuum? Hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny. They they tried. My short answer is no, uh, because specifically the Daniel Craig movies, I felt like rebooted, restarted that we're going to go back and do the James Bond origin story and re-justify that character with a with a new set of stories to, to place him in the 21st century. Now, mm-hmm you take the Roger Moore films with the Sean Connery films and actually did try to tie those together in little ways. So you have Roger Moore's bond visiting the grave site for Tracy bond. That was the woman that actually not even a Connery movie, but an OHMSS that George Lazenby's bond had married. And then she met a, a tragic end. So they tried to do these little things to tie them together, which was sort of a nice nod to the fans. But I, at least in my experience with the Bond movies, I never tried to tie any of those together, except for maybe just the same actor in that actor's series. I never tried to tie them together as being a continuing story at all. That's what I'm wondering about, because I'm trying to think of like characters that you can, that we've done that with before. Like, I don't think of James Bond, I don't think of Moonraker as being in the same universe as Spectre. Same universe, maybe, but not the same continuum. Um, Superman Returns did an interesting thing. They basically tried to place that movie between Superman and Superman 2, if memory serves, even though they were decades of part with completely different casts and completely different characters. Obviously, when you have, um, uh, well, uh, the Tim Burton Batman movies, which uh, sadly went into the, um, uh, what's his name? Terrible guy. Anyway, went into his movies and then got resurrected by Chris Nolan. I mean, the Chris Nolan movies and the Tim Burton movies aren't in the same sort of thing. We look at Star Trek and we think, well, it's got to be, it's, it's all the same thing. That's Captain Kirk. And so that's Captain Kirk and that's Captain Kirk. There are days that Kirk has that don't necessarily inform everything else that ever happens in his life ever, but they might still be a good story. I mean, is there a way that you can tell the Tarantino story and not worry about, uh, not worry about canon? And I'm sorry to keep using that word or the cartoons that are coming out. Like, is, is that canon or heck the cartoons that happened? Is there really a 50 foot Spock out there running around someplace? Like, I wonder, is there a way that we can, Oh, gosh, there are a whole bunch of questions that come up. Is there a way that we can tell these stories with these characters and not worry about whether it's canon? But then, of course, the question is, are we still doing Star Trek at that point? Or are we just telling stories with characters whose names we know? And I would love to hear any and all answers to those questions. Well, (laughs) I think that it's an interesting question. Certainly the books do that. But, and the comics, I would be against Star 
Star Trek stories that well, if you want to truly reboot and you know, there's no reason why JJ Abrams and that they didn't just say, you know what, we're using the notions of Star Trek and uh, the archetypes, but this is a new universe entirely and it's not tied through time travel and it's just a new thing. And that would have been fine in a way. Um, and they could have done that with Discovery. But Star Trek has, for better or for worse, all tied together, at least film Star Trek. Now, we could debate whether the animated series from the 70s is part of that or not. And it's an open question as to whether the new animated series will be part of that. I do think that there is an interesting opportunity for just telling sideways stories certainly you know comic books that's the thing like we were talking about batman comic book fans are used to you know they reboot comic books all the time you know they do new continuities and all the time and they don't try to tie it all together so the you know the batman that was being written in the 80s and the 90s and it's been multiple different batman so um it isn't as big of a deal for some reason star trek it's become it it has become a bit of a monster. And, you know, if you ask someone like Ron Moore, um, he would say it's too big of a monster. You, you have to give the writers more freedom. You have to get out of the canon to, to have the most creative flexibility as a writer. And I know I've talked to writers. I've talked to writers who work on discovery and they, they like, they'll work out some story and then they find out, well, they can't do this and they can't do that because of this thing that happened on enterprise or that thing that happened on Voyager and to them. Cause remember, you know, it's almost impossible to have all 700 whatever episodes in your head and they have this great idea and that they, they feel frustrated sometimes. And I could see that. So, um, you know, but that is what it is. You know, Star Trek, you know, the canon is part of what Star Trek is. And trying to work within it um, is, you know, but, you know I, I, I do think you could do, it's a short answer. I do think they could just make a movie and just say, this is something different, you know. And they can, you know, hand wave. It's a different universe. It's a whatever, you know, it's all, it's like one of the many built multiple universes. So this is Kirk, but it's not the same Kirk. You know, apparently Dis, uh, DC's doing that. They're doing like they have like four movies they're making, all with the Joker in them. You know, apparently, so <laughs> they're going to do these. What I think they're calling them sideways or something. So they're like, you know, they're going to do this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, which is not going to be the same Joker as a Joker in a different movie. And I don't know. I think people can accept that as long as you're upfront about it. As long as you don't try to weasel it and say, well, it is and it isn't, you, you should just be clear. This isn't or this is part of canon. Don't try to be, well, it is and it isn't. You know, don't try to have it both ways. Um, just say, make a clean break and say, yep, this is not part of the canon. This is a different universe or whatever. No, but it, it's funny, though, because I, I look, I, I'm not a big fan of the C word anyway, um, uh, as we've talked about on our show before. But, you know, take that other 50 year old franchise you mentioned, Ken, the James Bond movies. And and I know that there are very strong fan opinions about those movies, about preferring one actor over another, this and that. But 
it never occurred to me as a lifelong James Bond fan that I should be really invested in whether or not uh, that one thing that happened in that one movie informed that thing that happened to another actor playing that role 30 years later. It just didn't matter to me. I, well, I guess. But, but in James, in, in James Bond is a universe defined by a character. So each actor is essentially mm-hmm. a reboot, although they've kind of, you know, weaseled that, as you mentioned. Sure. With certain things like Star Trek and Star Wars, the universe itself is a character. I mean, in Star Wars, it's literally a galaxy far, far away. It's right there at the beginning. So, you know, the, you, you can't ignore the universe that these things are set in. That being said, I'm the farthest thing from a, uh, you know, fundamentalist canon. <laughs> um I just think that you certainly, with Star Trek, have to address it. You can't be weaselly about it. And uh, I think you should try to make things fit, but don't be dogmatic about it. And and the fans, I feel like you'll enjoy something more if you don't view it, if you don't become so wedded to the universe that you view it through the lens of canon. So it's like, before you could say, is this a good performance? This is an interesting story. Am I excited? You try to say, okay, this is a reference to that. And you just look at it from that point of view of like, how does this fit? And then you decide whether it's good. And you know, I've seen people dismiss something. It's like, well, that sucks because of this thing they perceive as a canon violation. Sure, sure. And it's like, what about that great performance from so-and-so or those cool effects? Like none of that matters because they perceive, you know, it didn't fit. Therefore it doesn't count. Therefore it sucks. And so, you know, I am definitely not one of those people. I was going to say something similar. We, I mean, you may want to be James Bond, but we've seen James Bond in Silicon Valley. So, I mean, to want to live in the world that James Bond lives in, you do. You may not enjoy the same lifestyle, but you live in his world. Uh, to want to live in the world um, inhabited by, um, you know, Captain Picard or Han Solo or Princess Leia or Diana Troy. I mean, to want to live in those worlds, you, you, you mean that has to be constructed in such a way that you can believe it. And the second somebody says, wait a minute, Kor was six inches taller than the guy who's playing Kor in this movie. <laughs> you know, well, that you, you, you ruined uh what the good people over on Priority One would call my immersion. Hey, uh, we got some business to do. Before we do that, though, if you have questions, if you have comments, it'd be great if you shared them. 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. You can also uh, use the link to join our Zoom meeting or use the one tap from your smartphone. Uh, just all kinds of ways to get in touch with us and our guest, Anthony Pascal, founder of TrekMovie.com. Um, I did say we have business to do, did I not, Mr. Champion? I believe you did. It's about that time that we did some business. And that means, of course, a word from Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection. That's right, people. Discovery is back. Oh, you're in the thick of it right now because we got the shorts and then you got season two coming up. And Eagle Moss wants you to get a discovery of your very own as well as a slew of ships from the latest Star Trek series, all part of the Eagle Moss Discovery Starships collection. Now, on the Federation side, you've got ships like the Shenzhou, the Discovery, and the Corolla, uh, the Europa, just, you know, all kinds of ships there for you to check out. 
Um, and then, of course, you can go over to the Klingon side or you can just wait for the Klingon side to come to you if you subscribe for crying out loud. You've got the Kach class destroyer and just a whole bunch of other stuff coming. Yeah, including that uh, reimagined bird of prey, which we uh, should see on screen or have just seen on screen in a moment. So what you will see when you visit eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships are renderings that serve as the basis for the diecast models themselves, painstakingly reproduced, as always, under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. They are, of course, officially authorized by CBS Studios. They're about 8 to 10 inches from bow to stern. That's a good-sized model. They are hand-painted, and they are so, so full of detail. Each comes with that awesome magazine full of real-world and in-universe information, and, of course, a beautiful display stand suitable for, oh, I'm going to say, displaying your ships. I think that's a good thing to say. Mm-hmm. Now, subscribers will get their first ship, the USS Shenzhou NCC-1227, for only $9.95 with free shipping. Additional models, including the Discovery, will ship monthly for the special subscriber's price of only $44.95 each. That is 20% off the standard retail price. And because they're ships, they come with free shipping, too. Yes, they do. Now, if you would prefer to pick and choose individual ships, you can do that. Well, for that, you can just go to shop.eaglemoss.com or you can check out your local comic book shop. You'll pay about 10 bucks more there, but saving money isn't the only reason to subscribe. If you subscribe, you also get free gifts worth over $100 during your subscription. And, of course, you can cancel your subscription at any time. So, to subscribe eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships to buy individually shop.eaglemoss.com and a great big thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's edition of Mission Log Live. Six four six five five eight. Whoops. Go ahead, oh, John. Oh, I, I was going to say six four six five five eight eight six five six. How would you like to repeat that? Uh, repeat what? Six four six five five eight eight six five six. Took the, words, took the words right out of my mouth because you know who actually has already done that and called in at 646-558-8656? That would be Karen, who has been waiting patiently. Karen, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? We sure can. Pleasure to have you join us tonight, Karen. What's on your mind? Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I was just going to comment on the animated series that was announced. And... I'm not a huge like adult swim fan or, you know, totally that kind of humor. But once I looked at, I don't know if you say his last name, McMahon or, or right. McMahon. Uh, Mike McMahon. Um, yeah. Mike McMahon. When I looked at the TNG season eight Twitter feed, uh, <laughs> I was immediately calmed. Not calmed. I was, I was excited about it no matter what. Uh, I'm not one of those people that is worried about oversaturation. But what's amazing to me and what makes me think, okay, they really probably did pick the right guy. is just the distillation of an idea in each of those uh, little recaps that he does. And I think that's so important to a show. And the lower deck idea, you just couldn't do, uh, you know, it's not a drama. Uh, when you look at people that are, you know, the yeomans and the crewmen, you, it just couldn't sustain a, a longer show 
And it's just kind of, I think of it as being possibly more office-like, you know, because I don't think it'll get the full adult swim treatment. And I was wondering what you all thought about that. I think that's an astute observation about the office. It's like, what, what would it be like to work in Starfleet? Just, you know, right. but you're, you know, you're, you're not on the enterprise. You're in the USS, you know, Dunder Mifflin Scranton, you know, and, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're not on the bridge, you know, you're, you know, in, uh, you know, hydroponics Bay five or whatever. And, right. Right. You know, it's, it's an interesting, you it's, it's a it's a it's a comedy set in the Star Trek universe, um, and uh, but which is, I feel which like, is extraordinary. But I still feel like it'll you be know. a sci-fi comedy, uh, right? Not just you, still, you know, so it won't just be office hijinks. So it won't be ensign, you know, you know, one ensign pr- playing pranks on the other ensign. I I feel like you know it'll be you're in an uh, extraordinary setting. Right. right. You know, you know, there'll be weird aliens and, you know, you know, multiple universes. But it's like, what is it like for those people when they're in the mirror universe? You know, is it uh, and and when the stakes aren't, you know, saving the galaxy, but, you know, just getting this, you know, shipment of dilithium on time, you know. Or and, what are those people during doing during a red alert when, you know, it's like, <laughs> You know, Ensign Ensign Smith is 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 shaking in their boots because you know they don't have control. They're not up. They're not in the know. You mentioned the uh, Twitter account. Um, you, I don't. You probably know this, but if you don't, you know that he he made that into a book as well with some other. Yeah, stuff. I did hear that. So, and it's available on Amazon, and you know, so you know, you may want to check that out. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was just very impressed with his ability to catch the nuance of next generation in these, in these two sentence lines, you know, and give it a whole, you know, I can just imagine giving that to a group of writers and then working your way back out from that. So I'm kind of encouraged that I think it could be really good. Yeah. I think that's a very open-minded and, you know, it it looks like, you're to, you're gonna hopefully have something to enjoy because you're seeing this for what it is, which is Star Trek is expanding, and something that we've talked, uh, we've done some interviews with the producers, and they've been saying since the summer that they're looking for variety, they're looking for different tones, different formats. So you know, if there was no other Star Trek on. So let's say there was no Discovery, there was no Picard show, there were no movies, and CBS just announced, oh, we're making a Star Trek comedy. And that was going to be the right. only Star Trek show. And there were no movies. I, I would not be happy about that. Because I right, that would, be, right. That would feel to me like they had given up on Star Trek, that they're turning it into a joke. But now it's part of right. this large variety pack of Star Trek. And so the library, that's nice, you know, right. And, uh, so you, you're going to have the Picard series and discovery and there's some other TV stuff. And those are all going to be deadly serious. The Picard show is probably just going to be very serious. Uh, yeah. you know, so if you want serious drama, 
you're going to get that. They're not taking that away. And so right. I like that this is part of this, you know, wider scale um, of uh, and scope of Star Trek. And, you know, it's 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 a risk, but I think it's a it's a, it's interesting and it's certainly something worth um, keeping an open mind about for sure. So. Anthony, you, yeah, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I, I, I look forward to the idea that there are multiple types of Trek coming down the road, that uh, you'll have live action, you'll have animated. I mean, God knows Discovery was deadly serious in the subject matter. Um, so I look forward to lightening it up a little bit. When they announced this show, I thought, well, A, Mike McMahon is a great choice because he definitely knows his stuff. But I also thought, you know, Ever since I started going to conventions, there were always people who were writing parodies, who were making Star Trek film parodies. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Gene Roddenberry going around showing the blooper reel was a, a highlight of his college lecture tour in the 70s and 80s. Uh, there have been Star Trek jokes and Star Trek parodies ever since there have been Star Trek fans. And... I, I, I like the idea now that you're putting that into the very capable hands of someone who makes good comedy that knows the subject matter. And, and I really kind of wondered and worried have Star Trek fans become so serious that they can't even accept the idea anymore of the inherent comedy in Star Trek. Cause I, I just, I, I know that when I go to conventions and see film parodies and all this stuff that that was kind of always a highlight. You're, you're having fun with the thing that you love. So, um, I, I have no doubt that uh, that there will be some love and care and attention in this show. What we don't mm-hmm. know yet, uh, as Anthony, you pointed out, we actually don't know the style yet. You know, the, there's Futurama, which is a good, successful sci-fi comedy animated. There's Rick and Morty, which is also a good sci-fi, successful animated comedy. Very different styles, very different approaches, very different subject matter we could get something to one end or the other of that or in between or something totally different. So I'm kind of anxious to see what they settle on for that, uh, for that style. And I, you know, I'm a fan of the animated, the original animated series. And I totally see moments in that, that were put in not for the Saturday morning kids, but actually for adults. Uh, You know, there's just some real little pockets, of of really funny stuff that were deliberately placed there in my opinion and i'm like i i think it's great to to have the animated series be more comedic you know comedy doesn't mean no drama yeah and and comedy doesn't mean that it's not smart either Uh right so which again like rick and morty like futurama yeah i i think that's uh that's a good point and it's interesting that they're taking that they didn't make something more geared towards kids or younger kids. If you look at the latest Star Wars show, Star Wars Resistance, which is the latest animated show, it's you know again Star Wars is also has a variety pack approach, and with this one, they're focusing it more on younger kids. It's it's less heavy. It's less. Um, you know, serious than the uh, previous two animated series rebels and clone wars um it's it's a good show i'm not the biggest fan because it's really not meant for me and i think in a way that's fine and and that's something that some star trek fans 
you know, if you're just a, you know, maybe we don't have to like all Star Trek. That's another thing. Like, you know, if yeah. they, like, let's say they make a show that's a, like a CW type teen drama set in Starfleet Academy. I'm not saying they're doing that, but let's say they did that. Okay. So I'm not, you know, I don't watch Riverdale. I don't watch a lot of the CW shows. Um, is, you know, can we survive ha- w- there being a Star Trek show that's meant for someone else? I'm fine with that. You know, yeah. we'll have to cover it on the website, but, um, you know, the, it doesn't mean it'll be bad. It's okay for there to be a Star Trek thing that isn't your thing. Um, especially when there's lots of different things, you know, so watch the Picard show. Don't watch the, you know, teen drama show. <laughs> Karen, thank and I you. I think that works better. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I actually think that works better in today's television panorama than say in the late eighties, nineties, you know, people, I didn't have oversaturation, but you know, People said, oh, it was getting thin. And well, we live in such a different television technology now. And that ability to pick and choose is so different that a variety like this and having Star Trek that is yours and Star Trek that is other people's is probably going to make it more successful. It'll certainly broaden the audience, or at least that's the objective. Yeah, I mean, I, I consider myself a Star Wars fan for sure. Uh, I've seen all the movies, haven't seen any of those animated series yet. People tell me they're great. So maybe one day when I have time, I'll sit down and watch them. Right. But, um, they right. just haven't been, they haven't been at, at, sort of at the forefront for me. Uh, but I don't feel like it's taking anything away from my Star Trek fandom that I haven't seen those yet, you know, or or that I might find some of those and they may not be for me. I kind of want to circle this back to our poll question because that's really what kicked this off. Um, I, I it sounds like we're all sort of coming down on the side here of saying that oversaturation, it's not impossible, but maybe it's very difficult. Uh, just because of the the way the nature of distribution now, if we were having this conversation twenty years ago, and you have mm-hmm. fewer channels to choose from and fewer outlets to choose from, well, if you've got five Star Trek series on the air at the same time, you really start cannibalizing your own audience and and risking burnout. I think quite a bit. Um, I, I like to think, and I'll put this out to all of you who are here on the show now. I like to think that now, because there are so many opportunities to watch what we want when we want it, streaming and home video and uh, broadcast is just such a tiny slice of things now. Um, When a network is going after a, a, a hit show, a hit is a show that's got three, four million viewers Whereas mm-hmm. 25, 30 years ago, you needed 18 million viewers mm-hmm. to make sure that you had a hit. You don't need that anymore. And that's what allows shows, it, it, you know, uh, Anthony, you mentioned Battlestar Galactica. That's what allowed that show to be a hit was to have between three and four million viewers on Sci-Fi Channel. Because for them, that was a massive hit. It's the same numbers that also buried Enterprise because the expectation there was very different on a very different network. So... Um, I, I think at least logistically, 
it would be difficult to have a burnout right now unless CBS just decided to release all of that stuff all at once on all access. Well, that, well, um, again, if you follow trackmovie.com and you read our exclusive, <laughs> um, you would know that that's exactly not what they're going to do. Precisely. Right. They yeah. are planning on spreading it out. They don't want things to overlap. They literally talked about there being no burn. They want to avoid burnout. And this is one of the reasons also why they want variety. I think it, it, it's fair to say that if you were a casual fan and you saw uh, Star Trek, some of the Star Trek in the 90s, you could possibly get confused by the different shows or think they're too similar because um, they felt similar. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. You know, how, you know, the various uh, SVU and, you know, Law and Order shows feel similar as well. Um, and, you know, CBS has a lot of success doing NCIS shows that feel similar, but, um, maybe it just isn't as good for a fantasy universe to, for, to do that. So I, I welcome the different tones and the different styles, um, that they're, that they're coming up with. And so I don't think you run into oversaturation because, there won't be too much of any one thing. Yeah. Karen, thank you very much for calling in this evening. We really do appreciate it. And give us a call back sometime, okay? All right. Thank you, thanks. The lightning round is coming up in just a moment. Yeah, you you know all about the lightning round, don't you, Anthony? Oh, John. Oh, John. sorry. Was I? Yeah. Oh, John. Uh, we didn't have oh, we didn't talk well. a lot the other day. We just talked a little bit. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I know what the phrase be. Oh, Anthony's a pro. He'll be fine. Before we get yeah. to the lightning round, though, well, then you're halfway there. In fact, yeah. I think you may be ahead of anybody who's played so far. <laughs> uh, really quickly, though, I want to let people know to stay on Facebook as soon as this show is over. Well, soon after this show is over, because that's when Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast kicks off. Every Tuesday at 11 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. It's TV and movie stuff. It's gaming stuff. And it's just a boatload of fun. Now, if you can't be here for the live show tonight, uh, Friday, what you want to do is you want to go wherever you get a podcast, say your iTunes, your uh, your Stitcher. I think there are some podcasts over there, all kinds of places. Or go to podcast.roddenberry.com and you can find you can find uh, find our show and a bunch of other shows, including Priority One. Part of that spread the love thing that you were talking about earlier, John. Yeah, yeah I'm glad that you took that to heart. Yeah. Uh, so the lightning round, as, I mean, you, you've already said, Anthony, you know what a lightning round is. So really all there is to do is, uh, is, is strap in and let the questions fly. John, you're up. Anthony, your favorite Star Trek antagonist. Galticott. Nice, nice. Favorite beast from Star Trek. Um... Be- did you say beast beast yep yep uh or you know just look or in general yeah just whatever pops to mind man uh, i'm gonna go with the salt vampire because it's the first wonderful oh, that's, that's excellent that's an excellent answer we would also accept horta yeah, one one off. three you know yeah uh, creature i'm sorry it's the technical term yeah no problem at all uh what's your favorite holodeck character anthony uh, my, 
all of Barkley's creations of the Next Generation crew, his kind of fantasy recreation. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, what's your favorite bad episode? Bad. I mean, you know, I love them all. So, uh, all right. you know, it's it's it's. Uh, well, I don't love them all. Okay, that's that's. Just <laughs> um, Is there one you love to hate though? Or love to love, despite the fact that everybody hates. You know, masks. So All right. Wow. Stupid. <laughs> it's like brilliantly stupid. You know that that funny that that was the two word blurb for that very episode. I think it ran in uh, in TV Guide. Uh, All right. Next question: Cardassians, Klingons, or Borg? Cardassians. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Borg Queen, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Okay. Fair enough, yeah, I suppose. I finally, the... I mean, there's a whole reason why they needed the Borg Queen. I'm sorry, this is lightning round. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Well, let me ask you one other question, and then if you can do that in, uh, in one minute, I'd love to hear it. But uh, let me ask you the final question first. Have you ever been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? No, I want to go. Yeah, you know, that's that's like what half the people say. Actually, 49% say I want to go. About 50% now say I have gone. And Doug Drexler says, why? But that's all the thing right. for they a whole time. They have a big time. convention every year. They oh, I, oh, no, I know why. You are a medium-sized convention, yeah. I would say. Let me, uh, so really quickly, if you can do it in less than a minute, why did they need the Borg Queen? Well, all the writers struggled. The, the Borg are an interesting idea, but... It's difficult to create drama and conflict when you don't have anyone to play off of. You know, they're just this unstoppable force. The Borg are like locusts. And the way the show was structured, um, you don't get the, you know, since we're not allowed to do the internal conflict within the crew and how they're dealing with this locust-like thing, you have to bring in an external adversary. So you have to personify the Borg because otherwise, you know, they're just, a force of nature and they, you know, speak in this giant echoey tone and you can't really have a conversation with them. So it was a solution to fit within the Roddenberry box um, and keep the, uh, keep the Borg as an adversary. Um, Uh, We so don't have time for me to counter your argument, but unfortunately (laughs) we're out of time. I really do have an answer to that, but I can't do it, but stay with me afterwards. And, you know, we can do that if you want to. In the meantime, uh, Trek movie, Dot com. That is, of course, what everybody needs to go to check out your work. And I want to thank you very much for Anthony. Uh, thank you very much, Anthony, uh, for being with us and tonight. I just want to say it's not just me. We have a huge team at Trek Movie. Like those interviews I was talking about, they were all done by other people. You know, I started the site. Yeah. We brought in this great team. And you've had Kayla on before, Brian, Matt, Lori, Christine. You know, there's just a huge team of people. I am merely a figurehead. Um, and not even a good one at that. So, uh, uh, you know, I, it's not just me. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks, producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to check out the Mission Log shop. What you do is you go to missionlogpodcast.com, click on shop in the upper right-hand corner. All kinds of designs there that you can throw on all kinds of things, mugs, T-shirts, and yes, tapestries. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Thanks to everybody who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next week.
podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.